check. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another uh, episode of RX Radio. Uh, this is your host, Dr. Richard Waith, and I have uh, here today uh, Courtney Scott, who is a pharmacy student at Midwestern University. And uh, her, it's funny because we actually met on Instagram, but she is a pharmacist to be, which is actually her Instagram handle at farm.d to be. So, uh, Courtney, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Richard. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Um, we had initially connected there, and uh, it, it's funny. It's just kind of meta where it's like, you know, not only were we kind of friends, and then you spoke to ASHP's, uh, like, the mid-year magazine or something like that, and then you mentioned, like, you know, Instagram, and they had you talking about it. So it's kind of like all meta and kind of coming full circle to back here. But um, one of the things that I really want to get into today and talk about is um, uh ASHP mid-year. And uh, so you being a student, I want to get your perspective on what the event was like and kind of talk through, um, you know, what the day to day was, what you enjoyed it, what um, what you enjoyed about it, what can be better. And then the next episode is going to be a farm. I'm going to interview actually a, an existing pharmacist um, and get the perspective from that other side as well. So um, but we'll start from the student side. But um, before we get into all that, Courtney, can you just give us a little bit of background about yourself? Um, tell us about kind of who you are. Um, so I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and I went to high school and college here. Um, I actually did the community college route prior to pharmacy school, which I feel like a lot of people do, but not a lot of people talk about. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did just my associates, and then I applied to pharmacy school. And my plan was to go to Arizona State University if I did not get in, but I was accepted. Um, so I currently am a second year at Midwestern University College of Pharmacy in Glendale, Arizona. Um, it's a three-year program, so I'm considered like a P3, mm. which is a little bit awkward sometimes to <laughs> tell people because you're like, I'm a P2, but I'm actually a P3. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm still in Arizona and I love it. Um when I'm not studying, I guess, when I'm not doing something pharmacy-related, some of the things that I like to do are traveling. Like this summer, I went to Spain with a few friends oh, cool. when we were on break, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I like movies. I saw Creed two this past weekend, and that okay. was a really good movie. Recommend it if you haven't <laughs> seen it yet. Nice, um, nice. I like to exercise. Um, it's kind of like one of the things that I'll do with friends to catch up and fit it fit hanging out and working on our health and exercise Which all in one. So sounds fun. hard because I feel like being in a three-year program, you it just feels like you're not getting a lot of breaks. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely feels like that. But I think with all things in life, you just kind of adapt and you get used to it. So while the program, it seems really stressful and sped up. I can't imagine doing it on a four-year program. I think I would procrastinate a lot more than I already do. Mm -hmm. Um, I, there's definitely cons of a three-year program, but I do really enjoy it. I like the speed. I like how fast it is. I feel like I have enough breaks and I don't feel overwhelmed at all. So Um, so I do do enjoy it still. How does it compare? Like, cause I've never actually looked at, and this is, we're going off topic right up. We're, you know, we're getting a great start here going off topic. <laughs> How does yeah. it compare 
to regular curriculums, if, if you've ever kind of, um, I guess, went through both, like, is it that you're doing a lot more in a, in a similar period of time? Or is it because you have less days off um, because you're kind of going through school through the summer? How does, how does that kind of work? Can you help me understand that? Yeah, yeah. I would say the first year you do do a lot more classes at once. So um, your first didactic year in a three-year program, at least for my program, we did a lot of our basic sciences, mm -hmm. and then we jumped into like the more pharmacy curriculum. And when we're doing basic sciences, you're taking like maybe 19 credits at once. And then uh, we're on the quarter system. So we start our academic year in June and we'll run through the quarter. At the end of each quarter, we get like a week off. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but a week is a long time. <laughs> it feels like yeah. at least. And then so first year, I would say you have more things going on. And then your, our second year, when we're focused more on our pharmacy curriculum, it's just your pharmacy core classes and then your electives pretty much. So it's not, it doesn't feel dense at all. Gotcha. So I would say it's kind of like a com combination of both. You're going year-round, and you're having, like, small little breaks here or there, um, and then they heavy load the front end of the curriculum. Interesting. Okay. Well, cool. Well, let's let's pivot here, and let's go into kind of what we really want to get into uh, with our conversation. So let's ASHP, so mid-year. Why did you even decide to go there in the first place? Yeah, so I actually currently am the president of my ASHP, SSHP chapter at Midwestern. Well, that makes a lot so of sense. So I was, thanks, <laughs> thanks. I was elected this past spring. And when I was elected, I was kind of right around the time when people were registering for ASHP summer meeting. And that's in June. And since I was elected president, I felt kind of like I needed to go just to learn more about the organization nationally mm -hmm. and meet more people. So this summer I went to the summer meeting and it was in Denver, Colorado. And this one will rotate different cities every summer. It doesn't kind of rotate between three, like mid-year, the summer, mm -hmm. the mid-year meeting. Will. Um, so I was in Denver, Colorado and I left the meeting and felt so inspired and motivated and really excited to be entering this profession. So after going to that, I, there was like no doubt in my mind that I was going to go to the mid-year meeting because yeah. I had such a great experience at the summer meeting. And it was actually funny because one of the pharmacists that I met at the summer meeting was asking me if I was going to go to mid-year and I was like, I'm debating it, but I'm unsure right now because this is early on in the meeting. And he just, he was talking more to me about the meetings and he described the summer meeting as like going to a, a local jazz concert in your state. So like really small, there's maybe around 3000 people that will attend. And then he described the summer meeting as going to a sold out Taylor Swift concert. Um, there's around 25,000 pharmacists and students and technicians that attend. So it's a lot bigger of a meeting. Um, and then, so after leaving the summer meeting, I just felt like I, I felt so motivated that I wanted to go to mid-year. Yeah. But then also, since I'm in an accelerated program and I'm kind of considered a P3 at this point, um, next year I'll be looking at applying for residencies. And while I'm not sure if I'll be attending the residency showcase, I didn't want my first year seeing what the residency showcase was like being yeah. the year that I'm applying for it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't say that I felt pressured to go to the meeting um, by like the faculty and the other students and other pharmacists that I know, but I definitely realized how heavily emphasized it was to go the year before you're actually applying for residencies. Yeah. 
Because um, it's overwhelming. And then, yeah, it's very overwhelming. When you're there. But I would say... I would say going to these conferences, especially large conferences, is an art. And it's something that you just get better with, with practice. So the more meetings you can go to, the easier they can get and like the less overwhelming they will be. Um, it also helps that I live in Arizona and it was uh, the meeting is in Anaheim, California this year. So it's like an hour flight or a five-hour drive. So it wasn't far at all. Yeah. Um, and then another contributing factor to me going was I had a poster there. This oh, year, which yeah, that makes sense also. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, so I had a lot of contributing factors to why I wanted to go or why I ended up going to the summer yeah. meet, or the, sorry, going to mid-year as a P2. Yeah. So I, I remember going when I was in pharmacy school, actually, and I remember just being so crazy, specifically talking about the residency showcase. So I would highly recommend, kind of to your point, you know, it is kind of an art where you do want to go to as many as you can. And, you know, as you become a professional, like, you know, hopefully you continue, you'll kind of get used to it. Um, but the residency showcase is like its own bit like thing. And I definitely recommend if you're considering residency, like don't let it be the year that you're applying to be your first, um, you know, year going. Um, I would definitely recommend going before that just to kind of get a feel of what it's like. Um, but even when you are there, let's just say you, um, you know, did not go this year and you're applying next year. Um, uh, I wouldn't be just be just kind of ask around and see what it's like and, and just have an expectation going into there as to what you're going to experience. But let's talk about day one. So um, first of all, how many days were you there? I, I think the event was a total of five days, but how many days were you there exactly? Yeah. So I arrived in California the day prior. So I got there on Saturday and I didn't attend any portion of the meeting. And then days that I attended the meeting were Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, but I only went for maybe half the day on Tuesday because then I flew out. Gotcha. Um, it's kind of hard since we're in the middle of the quarter still, so I didn't want to miss too much school. Makes sense. But I wanted to be able to attend some of the more important events Makes that were sense. offered. Now, did your school account for it? Like, do they? does your school kind of schedule around the meeting at all? They don't account for mid-year. They don't work around the schedule, unfortunately, because not everyone is attending mid-year. Not everyone's planning on applying for residency, so I understand why they don't. Um, we just started a new quarter, so I was only in the second week of the quarter, so I didn't miss any major exams. And uh, what we'll just have to do is let our um, let our university know that we're going to the meeting, and then uh, they need to work with us for misassignments or anything. They'll do so. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, so let's talk about day one. So, what did you do day one? What was it like? Tell us. Uh, we'll go through day one through three. So, let's start at day one. Yeah. So, day one, the first event I attended was a student type of event is a pharmacy student forum event and it is for SSHP is an SSHP leadership workshop and is what that was is all current SSHP it's the student chapter for SSHP all of the leaders got together and um, it was kind of like round tables which was really cool there was 15 different round tables and you would rotate you got to pick four and you would rotate for 15 minutes at each table um and so you would talk about various topics, and I can go further into that if you like. Maybe some of the topics you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was what was interesting, or, or that I guess maybe stuck out to you at at a roundtable or two um, that you just maybe had never heard of or um, was shocked to hear about. Yeah. Um, so at each the four tables I decided to go to was political advocacy table national involvement, burnout syndrome, and membership. And at these tables, 
different students will talk about what their school and their chapter is doing to incorporate these events. That was really cool to get some other ideas and just see what other programs are doing and how these students are staying involved with their chapter. Um, I would say that some of my favorite ones was the burnout syndrome table. So I don't know if you know, but this past year, ASHP uh, partnered with the National Academy of Medicine on a action collaborative on clinical well-being and resilience. So one of the initiatives that they're starting to incorporate into student chapters is promoting well-being and resilience or like preventing students from becoming stressed or burnt out. And so um, I attended this table because this is kind of an interesting topic and it's new and it's just a hot topic right now, I would say, in yeah. all of healthcare. And it's getting some different ideas from other chapters on what they're doing to kind of promote this within their school. And some of my favorite things are uh, doing kind of like just monthly activities. So some schools are doing like exercise classes or just like social get togethers Mm -hmm. um, and just like talking about burnout and how they're preventing it. Um, So I would say that was one of my favorite tables just because it's so... So relevant to everyone, yeah. I would say. And I so think even when I was in school, we we didn't we didn't get any of that sort of conversation. We didn't have any of those conversations. I felt like, and and I think you know, um, that is an important thing that ASHP is doing. So I definitely tip my hat off to them, and and it, I'm glad to see that you know more students are going to start talking about it because it's a serious issue, um, not just in definitely. school, but as you get out into your career as well. So. Yeah, I definitely think it's something you shouldn't be afraid to talk about. I mean, we're all human, and we all have, just in this profession, you're going to be stressed out, and you're going to feel burnt out, and how can you help your patient to the best of your ability if you are burnt out? Um, So it was really a really cool thing to think about and be open with yourself and your friends and your peers and even, like, your mentors or other pharmacists, just talking to them about how they prevent feeling burnt out. Um, So some of the chapters, they're doing, like, a -a take-a-break take a break events. And I think that's really awesome. Um, and I think that more, more schools should start thinking about doing something similar. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then another program, Oh my gosh, sorry. Another table (laughs) that I attended that I really did enjoy was, um, the membership table and is what it was is we were just talking about how to, how to keep your members engaged. So how to get people to become members of the chapter, or of a national organization, but then stay engaged and stay active. Um, some schools I know require students to attend a certain amount of events every quarter, and those those chapters are a little bit luckier because they're having active members throughout the whole quarter, but it's because the school forces it upon the students, so it's kind of like a win-lose, I guess. Um, but then my school doesn't force people to attend certain amount of events, so it's a little bit trickier for us to keep our members engaged. Um so it was it was cool to talk to other tables and see what they do to promote engagement and mm-hmm. then kind of promote people to want to join these organizations because I think um, I think it's just important to be involved for everyone because once you graduate from pharmacy school we all graduate with the same degree but what are you going to do that's different yeah. or how are you going to become a a more well rounded pharmacist and I would say like being involved in organizations is the big thing but it's hard to want to be involved if you're stressed out and feeling overwhelmed and feeling like school should be your top priority. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed getting to talk to other students about 
the membership portion of their chapters. Yeah, I think every organization um, in pharmacy, and, and, I'm, and, and it's pretty much everywhere. I mean, this is just a general um, issue and challenge that every you know professional organization usually deals with is retention of their members. And um, so I think, you know, wh- whether it be, um, ASHP or APHA or, uh, you know, a pharmacy fraternity, like every single organization has a, ma- a major challenge of retention because and it's important because, you know, with that experience, you want that experience to continue to have an influence on the um, the organization. And um, it's hard to kind of keep that there because things happen. You know, life happens. People have families, kids, they go off into their careers, they lose focus. Or when I say lose focus, like they start focusing on something completely different. Um, than that organization. So that's that's always a challenge and um, interesting to hear that kind of from the student perspective. So, cool. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um, so then after that SSHP leadership workshop, then at the meeting I went to the Pharmacy Student Forum opening session. So there's two opening sessions within the meeting. There's the Student Forum opening session, but then there's also the the main meetings open session, I guess you could call it. And so the main meeting open session was on Monday and the student one was on Sunday. So I attended the pharmacy student forum opening session. And in the beginning, they had some, they had a speaker. They announced the 10 clinical skills competition finalists who um, then would be graded and, and the winner would be announced at the final opening session the following day. And then there was a guest speaker, and this guest speaker was Austin Eubanks, and um, he actually spoke at the summer meeting, so I heard him speak at the summer meeting, and that was a big reason why I wanted to attend this event again, because he was such an amazing speaker. And so Austin Eubanks is a injured survivor of the Columbine shooting, so Austin is... He is just an amazing speaker, and I think anyone who hears him talk really can, you leave feeling everything. I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Just he is he's so amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's what he, the reason that he is presenting and why he was, he was relevant at a pharmacy conference is that after this traumatizing experience, he um, became an addict to opioids and prescription medications. Oh my God. Um, So then he, yeah. So he then, um, was an addict. uh, I think it was, it was a a few years. I don't remember how long it was exactly, but he just talked about his, um, he talked about how different it was, uh, like the control of medications and how, uh, the physicians would pretty much just write him whatever he wanted, um, because he had this, painful experience and um the message i kind of felt like he sent was that uh, his physicians were prescribing pain medications for an emotional pain not like a physical type of pain and he was turning to these medications for this emotional pain um because he wasn't able he didn't he wasn't able to work through the, the traumatizing experience yet. Yeah. So he was an addict for um, a while and he talked about how it kind of affected his career and his life and his relationship with his kids and his wife at the time and um, his long road to recovery. Um, and now he is, um, he is sober now and he's actually, he is a director of a treatment facility in Colorado now. 
uh, for young adults, a, a transition treatment facility. And then he also uh, does guest speaking and public speaking um, throughout the year as well to just share his experience and um, the struggles that he faced with prescription drugs. Yeah. Um, so he was just a really, really moving speaker. And I think a great way to start off the meeting Um and again, I heard him speak at the summer meeting, so that was like a big reason why I wanted to hear him talk again. And the two talks were very similar, but it was still, even hearing it the second time, it was very, very touching. Yeah. Um, well, that's makes a really, it all feel really real. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting perspective to come from. You know, we hear about, a lot of times we hear about people that are addicted and, um, you know, we hear about addicts and their, and their issues, but a lot of times we don't actually know the source of it and like how it even got there. Um, and to hear that it was from such a traumatic experience that we're all familiar with is another, you know, really just, you know, interesting, um, interesting experience. So cool. Definitely. So um, quick question. Quick question. Uh, you mentioned that there was like a clinical, uh, potential clinical meeting, uh, not clinical meeting, but um, clinical competition. Did you, yeah. w- was there like an, a live action of it? Like, or, or, or did they just announce winners or what was that like? Yeah. So um, is what, it's a clinical skills competition. And in the fall at each student chapter, they'll do a local clinical skills competition. And then the winner of the chapter's clinical skills competition will be sent to um, the mid-year clinical meeting and they'll compete with every other um, winner of the chapter. So there's probably like 70 plus teams. Um, And then is what it is, is they'll get a patient case um, and they will work up the patient and there's a written portion and then a presentation portion. And um, they'll do the written portion and then they'll present. Um, They don't get internet usually. It's usually just certain references like handbooks um and then they'll be scored and on saturday there was the clinical skills like final competition so of all those teams um they all competed and you could have attended it was open to the public or i apologize sorry that was a closed session for the written portion um and then they based off the written portion they picked the 10 finalists and then the 10 finalists did a presentation round, and this was open. People could attend, and that was on Sunday. I did not attend this presentation round for the clinical skills competition, mm-hmm. um, but it, I think it would have been a really awesome thing to see. And then they announced the winner the following day. So I'm really glad that you kind of went through how it's set up. And and the reason why I, I kind of harped back and went back to this is because I have a super embarrassing story. That I'm going to tell you because I think it's a good opportunity for me to also tell the listeners about this. So when I was a first year student yeah. in pharmacy school, uh, you know, they like, oh, do you want to be a part of this, you know, clinical competition or, or like this, this, you know, um, thing where you can compete and, and this and that. And, I was, and I'm super competitive. Like I was in, I played sports basically my whole life. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Right. I'm like, let's go. And then um, they uh, at the time I had Lexicomp and I kind of knew how to use it. I knew the basics of it, but I didn't really have like clinical training. Cause again, this is my first year. So we were just doing like the sciences and we didn't really get in, into yeah. clinical stuff. But I, but because I had Lexicomp, I was like, Psh, I feel so confident. Like you don't even know how I'm about to kill this. And then, um, <laughs> and then like, so like, you know, day of the day of the event, the cl- clinical competition, this is on campus. Like luckily this is local and there wasn't anything broadcast on stage or whatever. But um, so I show up and they're like, all right, you ready? I'm like, yep, let's do it. I got my iPad ready to go. 
And then they're like, all right, um, you know, go into this room. Uh, oh, by the way, you can't use anything like except for this huge <laughs> clinical book that we're about to give you. And I was like, holy crap. Like, what do you mean I can't use anything? Like, I can't use my iPad? And they're like, nope, you can't use anything. And I was like, yo, I, it was, I was dunsies. And so, and so it gets better. So then they give me, I, I forgot if they gave me the actual case or they just gave me the list of medications. And I was just like, all right, cool. And I just started like trying to figure out how to use the book. And I found, I like, you know, it took me forever to find the thing. But so it turns out the guy is on, um, the clinical case is about a guy that's on Simvastatin. And, you know, they're like, um, you know, like, so I kind of go through some basics of like, you know, well, you know, what are you taking? What are you taking? How are you feeling? Whatever. And then they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, like, and I just, I just didn't know where to go with it. And then like, they even started leading me on. He's like, yeah, but I've just been having this weird muscle pain. And I was like, man, that sounds weird. Like, interesting. Can't believe you're having that. <laughs> Not sure why. <laughs> um, but it was just like super funny. Like looking back at that, like they basically threw a curve, like a curveball. They threw a, a softball pitch at me. Um, and I just like, totally embarrassed the hell out of myself and because um, I had no idea that I wasn't going to be able to use my iPad to get like yeah. anyway super embarrassing story but that's a side note I just wanted to be able to get that on the record for people to hear about so. <laughs> that's very funny um yeah so <laughs> I would recommend anyone to compete in your clinical skills competition but maybe wait until you're a second year or a third year when you have some yeah. knowledge on don't the do it as a first year like I did. More. Don't make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to win. Uh, <laughs> um, I did compete actually at my local chapter this past year. Um, it was early on, so I didn't have a lot of my clinical classes. We just started them. So I didn't, I wasn't a finalist, obviously, or anything like that, but it was just such a great experience. And I left the competition feeling so like, happy and excited just to be entering this profession we're we're really fortunate about that so i would i plan on competing again next year and i don't anticipate winning or anything like that i just feel it's an awesome experience and you get a practice like going through a patient case like a full case mm -hmm. um, not knowing what's going on and then presenting to practicing pharmacists and you might not know who the judges are or anything like that so um, i feel like it's a great um a great practice for going on rotations when you're presenting to pharmacists you might not know or have a relationship with. Yeah. Yeah. Locally, it's your, it's usually like your own faculty that's like judging you. And I just remember like looking at my, like my faculty, like remember looking at me and they're probably like, man, this guy's going to be such a loser <laughs> when I was going through that. Cause I did so terrible. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, no, but I think they, they saw that I did well anyway. Um, all right, so let's continue on through day one. So after that part, yeah. you listen to the speaker and um, the clinical competition portion. Uh, anything else happened on day one that was pretty interesting? Yeah, um, actually, kind of a funny story. I was trying to after the public uh, after the pharmacy student forum opening session. I was planning on going to a um, event or um, a session where they were talking about the updates to the hyper. Um, the cholesterol guidelines, uh -huh. and I didn't because this is my first mid year, so I didn't and I didn't really realize how big of a conference center Anaheim Convention Center is. Mm -hmm. So I didn't allow myself enough time to get from one end to the other into this um, session, and I also didn't realize how um, popular the session was going to be. So I show up 
maybe like a minute into the session and every seat is full of this oh, room no. of maybe 300 seats. And I walk in in the back, I see all these full seats and I'm like, okay, you're just going to leave. You're just, you'll see <laughs> this one later. You can look up, you can look up the PowerPoint online. Yeah. So I walked across the hall cause I heard, um, I actually heard one of my faculty members presenting across the hall and I was like, I love this lecturer, so I'm going to go listen to her. And I walk in, and I sit down, and this room's not super full, so it kind of worked out well. And I sit down, and I get comfortable, and I look up in my phone on the app what session this is, and it was a preceptor <laughs> session. <laughs> so it was about the perfect slice, <laughs> the perfect slice of apple pie, um, just like Grandma made preceptor roll. Um, so it... <laughs> For when I found out that this was a preceptor session, I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know how beneficial this is going to be because I'm not anywhere close to becoming a preceptor. Yeah. Right? I'm still a student. <laughs> I'm not, not even graduated yet. Um, but it ended up being one of my favorite sessions because it really put you in – it put things in perspective on what your preceptor goes through and how much – um, how much energy and prep they have to do in their rotation and in their syllabus and how much they really want you to succeed and they want you to excel. So it was a really cool, really cool session to accidentally stumble upon. And um, I would recommend kind of stumbling upon crazy sessions like that to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of the times when you don't expect it the most, you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to get out of it. Uh, some, yeah. some cool things. So. Yeah. And then after that session, I went to a, I went to one called strategies for personal and professional success. And this was, Again, um, focus more towards students. Um, there was four different um, speakers, and they all kind of talked about different different topics. Um, one of them was talking about emotional intelligence, and um, one talked about self-assessment and the importance of it. One talked about mentors and developing like a successful relationship with your mentors, and then one talks about work-life integration. And I would say of the four, one of my favorite ones was um, mentorship. I think um, I think that every everyone needs a mentor, even as like a practicing pharmacist. We should all be striving to have a mentor and just someone you can like turn to when you're like struggling or um, kind of unsure how to go about things. But um, something that I also would recommend would being a mentor who has maybe gone through a similar path as you or um, isn't where you are right now. So I actually stumbled, stumbled upon this quote on um, online the other day, and it was, stop asking people who have not been where you're going for directions. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was something very applicable of finding a mentor. Um, you shouldn't have a mentor who's not kind of going in the same direction that you want to be in. So tr striving to have a mentor that's someone you want to be more like or in the field you want to be in or anything like that. Um, and then I also just found this so valuable because I think the reason that I had so, such a successful experience at the mid-year clinical meeting was because of my mentor. Um, I actually, she's one of my faculty advisors or my faculty at Midwestern. And um, I went to the summer meeting and attended a handful of events with her. And then um, she was also at mid-year and she really just like took me under her wing and helped me get the most out of the experience that I could have. So I totally think that having a mentor is like an amazing thing and yeah. that everyone should make it your goal to have a mentor. And if you don't have one, go find one. Um, but then also knowing that like your mentors are always going to be changing as you 
continue to develop and grow as a professional. Yeah. And I think there's ways of like, you know, like mentorship is interesting because, uh, you know, there's, you look online, you like a lot of people be like, well, how do I even get a mentor? And then they'll go and look. And then um, sometimes they'll have like these like formal things for you to do to like get a mentor. But like, for me, like just, you know, ask questions. Like the more you ask is the more you'll get, you'll get mentorships just from the community. Like you can have a mentor for five minutes and then you could have a mentor for five years. And, and that just comes Definitely. by just asking questions and building relationships. Like don't make it like awkward and, you know, go through, um, you know, like make them sign something and go through like goals and like of this relationship. Like there's because I've seen that before. And I'm like, that does not sound fun. Um, so that, that's one thing that I would just mention there on mentorships. But one thing I wanted I'm, I'm actually interested to hear. And I know that this didn't it doesn't seem like it might have stuck out a lot with you, but is the emotional intelligence part of that. Is there anything that stuck out to you there? Or can you tell us kind of like what did they talk about in that part of the emotional intelligence? Because that's something I'm highly interested in. Yeah. Um, actually, I am involved in a leadership development or like organization at my school. So throughout this whole year, we're focusing on developing into a better leader, essentially. Um, and this past quarter as a as a group, we read a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and it's by Travis Bradbury, and it is kind of what the whole talk was about. So emotional intelligence is, I would say it's kind of like a, maybe, it might not be a hot topic right now, but I feel like it's a hot topic to me because I keep running into it. Um, they compare it to your IQ, so it's your your emotional intelligence, people will compare it to your IQ, but it's unlike your your IQ. Once you have your IQ, it doesn't um, change. It's going to stay where it's at. Your emotional intelligence can get better or get worse. Yeah, I've actually went through that book, um, that Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book, and it's pretty interesting because I think when you do the book, it actually gives you an online uh, like an online test that you can take to find yours. And, um, a lot of it is, a, is a, around self-awareness as well. Um, actually, no, yeah. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about strengths finder. I am confusing that, but I think it's, I wonder if it's the oh. same author though. Um, but I'm thinking about strengths finder that I did anyway. So I'll just keep on talking about strengths finder. So strengths finder, um, you actually go on, uh, there's a book about it and then you can take like an assessment online and, um, it asks you like a bunch of questions that like you have to answer like really quickly. So it doesn't allow you to, to like, like make a conscious decision about it um, for the most part. And and then it gives you kind of your strengths. And the whole thing behind it is about kind of making sure that you focus on your strengths and not necessarily worry about trying to strengthen your weaknesses, but just kind of mitigating your weaknesses. Um, but I feel like emotional intelligence is, I, I wonder if it's the same author. I'd have to double check, but it might be something similar. Um, it sounds It sounds like it could be the same author because it kind of, talks about the same topic so in the book I, there actually was like a cool an online quiz you can do um you can take it twice so um i wouldn't recommend taking it back to back like i think your goal would be to take it once and then figure out how you need to improve and maybe take it like a year or so later um but emotional intelligence is like um, broken down into there's five categories um self-awareness self-regulation motivation empathy and social skills um, so it's really just kind of your ability to understand other people, but then also understand like yourself and your own emotions and how you're feeling. Um, and it's it's definitely something that if you don't know what your emotional intelligence 
where you're at with it right now, I would recommend kind of figuring out where you're at and then working on improving it now. Because like I said, unlike your IQ where you don't improve it, emotional intelligence is something that you can continue to grow and um, develop over the years. Um, so that was kind of a cool session to, to hear about. I just looked it up um, on Google and it is not the same author. It is compl- it's two yeah. different books, but it sounds like very similar themes that they kind of went with um, in terms of like kind of discovering your strengths and discovering your emotional intelligence. But, um, but I highly recommend strengths finder it's by Tom Rath. And then the one that, um, that Courtney just mentioned, it's definitely sounds like it's really interesting. Uh, so after the strategies for personal and professional success, I went to the student society showcase. So I talked about earlier how I went to the, SSHP leadership workshop, and that would be like student societies and student ASHP chapters. Um, and this was a similar concept, except this was like a poster presentation. So each chapter had a poster. Um, it was just something that their chapter had done that was exciting or different or new um, and successful this past year. And they all just shared and presented different ideas. Um, and I presented there, but I wasn't affiliated with my chapter, which is kind of kind of weird because I just said how they all are different chapters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was just uh, <laughs> um, I was there uh, presenting kind of more on like ASHP side and um, advertising and promoting this ASHP Path Happy Hour they had on Tuesday. Um, and the reason that I was involved with this is. Um, I, at the summer meeting, I attended a PAC event, and PAC is stands for Political Action Committee, and this is a group that um, you can donate to the PAC and give them give, donate like funds, and they will um, use those funds, and then they'll also without the funds just kind of like support the um, the, the progression yeah. of the profession. Yeah, um, they're basically our lobbyists, like, students, like out on out in government. So definitely yes. contribute to that and become a part of it yeah. if you are interested in legislation and advocating for the profession um, by legislative means. Yeah. Um, so uh, I feel like a lot of students aren't really comfortable with anything like advocacy related or politics or anything like that. When they hear lobbyists, they like turn the other way kind of. So mm-hmm. I was at this showcase um, talking with students about the importance of advocacy and then if it was something they were interested in, kind of telling them that they should attend this PAC happy hour. And like as a student, um, myself attending these PAC events, I feel like it kind of is a little bit, hits a little bit closer to home for them and motivates them more to want to go to something like this because they're able to ask me more personal questions on like what I think of these type of events and how I feel, um, especially if they're not really comfortable with advocacy. Um, so I was at the student showcase presenting and sharing my like, advocacy involvement and why I think that being involved with the PAC committee is like so important for students. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then after that, Sunday was a really busy day. Sorry. Yeah, after, no, it sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, after the student society showcase, uh, my university actually did a Midwestern alumni type of event. So, um, 
you're, if you attend mid-year, I recommend looking into if your college or your university is having something similar, because I know a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't at the convention center, it was at a restaurant nearby. I recommend looking into if you attend mid-year, if your college or university is going to have something similar, um, like a, an alumni type of event where you can meet people who graduated from your university and are current, currently practicing. You'll get to talk to your faculty members who attend the meeting, mm-hmm. um, and then just other students at your college. And it's a really great night networking opportunity. Um, so I would totally recommend going to something similar to that. They're usually not very stressful. They're fun. You gotta like hang out with your faculty, but they're not your faculty. Like they're you realize that they're a person just like you. Yeah, they understand it's a different yeah. kind of like environment um in the social setting, not necessarily in the school setting. And um, so uh, I think something interesting too to point out is that um, all most of these events, um, it's not just uh, not just mid-year, but a lot of the major events like APHA and some of the other ones um, have uh, they have like different organizations will also have their own events like kind of after hours. Um, so especially like if you're in um, like a, a pharmaceutical fraternity, they'll also have like their own kind of like banquet or get together or or session somewhere um, because it's it's usually a good place to kind of reconvene. Um, especially if you're in a national organization and then, and then just like uh, Courtney had mentioned, your school will also sometimes have something for, um, students and faculty to kind of mingle with, um, kind of after hours. So that's, that's something that's pretty standard and common. So, um, so that sounds like that kind of ended, sounds like that kind of ended day one. Um, and, uh, jam packed day, which sounds awesome. So, uh, what about day two? Um, what there was different or what kind of stood out to you there? How was that like? Yeah. So day two was a busy day, but not as busy as the first day. Um, I attended the opening session and at the opening session, they have, um, members of the ASHP board talk and they announce, um, kind of awards throughout the year um, and all of that stuff. They also announced the clinical skills competition winner, but then they will have a keynote speaker of the meeting. And the keynote speaker this year was Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. So that's why um, it's kind of cute. The The theme of mid-year this year was some mid-year magic. So mid-year magic. <laughs> so nice. that was kind of a fun play on words. Yeah. Um, and Magic Johnson was such a fun guest speaker. Um he talked about his uh, his like journey as a basketball player and I think the challenges that he faced um, and how he got to where he was. But then he also, um, I don't know if you're aware, but he has HIV. Yeah. And he talked about um, for a portion of the, the presentation how big of a role like pharmacists play in his life and how valuable we are. And so he really just kind of thanked us as um, like as a patient. Yeah. yeah. So that was really, was inspiring a little bit and touching because it's, it's nice to feel appreciated, um, especially in a room full of all these important pharmacists mm-hmm. and everything like that. So yeah, I was wondering how he, really he made that connection like into pharmacy. So, um, or, or at least, I mean, cause I, I knew he had, um, the disease and, um, I just wasn't sure if he was going to use that to tie it into how we played a role in his life. So that's that was that's interesting to hear how he approached that that um, that talk. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, I wonder how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he did a he did a great job with that. Um, and then after the opening session, um, I actually sorry, one more thing on 
the opening session um, and kind of tying back into mentors. My, I mentioned how I went with a mentor this year. And another reason why I totally recommend getting a mentor is she was able to get us like really, really awesome seats. Um, I was down on the floor, like sixth row. And that was as a student, I don't think I would have been able to do that on my own without having like a mentor kind of teach me how you get seats down there or save me a seat down there. Um, And I feel like that made the experience a lot more enjoyable. Um, so cool. Get a mentor. (laughs) Um, they get you seats. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then after the opening session, I went to the exhibit hall, um, and I walked around for a little bit while I was waiting for the next event. And the exhibit hall is this huge room and it is just tons of different booths. And in each booth, it's different companies and they, um, are just, displaying some of the innovative technologies and products that they've created um, that are new that year or just kind of like what their company um, brings to the table and why they're unique and beneficial. Um, And I feel like, unfortunately, because I'm a student, um, it's, there's so much going on and we're learning so much every day that I didn't, I don't know enough about the technologies in the profession. I feel like that's kind of one of my flaws um, but then also I think because I was a little bit stressed out and like uh, just about being at the meeting, you have so much going on and so much emotion and your brain is always somewhere that I feel like I didn't um, take in the exhibit hall the way I should have and the way I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. Um, let me so just I would say something. Uh, let me just jump in there real quick because, uh, you know, you're saying that it's like a flaw of yours. And I don't I don't think that that's something that students uh, are, are getting good exposure to, like, I don't think that's just you. I think that, um, in general pharmacy school, the way it's created now and the dynamics of it is to teach you how to be a a great clinician. And it it does not, it is not doing a great job at infusing, um, how you can use technology to enhance that. And, um, and I think that's, that's a huge opportunity for pharmacy schools and challenge for them to take on. Um, because there, you don't get the exposure to it. You're, you're only focused on what you need to know and, and you're not expected to need to know what's going on in technology. So, um, I don't think that's a flaw. I just think that's a, an issue with our system and how we, um, get exposure to you to that. Um, uh, so I, that's just one thing I wanted to mention. And, you know, there are ways to try to mitigate that. It's just one of those things kind of with, you know, self-awareness of like that the schools don't do that. And it's a, kind of up to the students to, to understand that everything is not just, you know, clinical, especially when you get out there. So to find ways to fit in the knowledge. And, and I think actually through podcasting is probably a good way to do that. Um, kind of, you know, discovering the different types of technology podcasts out there, healthcare podcasts, whatever the case may be, because you can listen, instead of listening to music, you know, as you're, as you're probably listening right now to this podcast, <laughs> it's a good time to, <laughs> to, you know, um, find the different, um, things and technologies that are going on in the world to help you be prepared for when you get to one of these meetings to recognize and ask the right questions to some of these technology vendors. So, um, so I, I just, I don't think that's a flaw. I think that's a, I think our system is flawed. Thank you. Thank you. I definitely, I, I agree with that. Um, your schools can only really teach you so much. So like you said, it's really up to you as a student to kind of figure out areas that you're lacking in and areas that you need to further develop and improve because when you get into the profession, it's kind of, you need to 
know this stuff or just at least know where to find it, have like a more better understanding. Um, So I would say uh, something next year I'm hoping to do is attend the exhibit hall, but attend it with more intention, I guess, like go in um, hoping to come out learning something new and learning more about the new technologies Mm -hmm. in the field. Um, and I think they, they I, think, I think they they provide you with um, floor plans ahead of time. They, that's usually the case, and I'm not sure if ASHP does it. Yes. Um, but a lot of times you can look ahead of time at what the floor plan is, and you know you can skim through that and just see if any names pop out or you know. But a lot, a lot of times you can't tell enough about a company just by the name. But it would just it might be a good idea to pick like ten companies just at random and then just kind of Google them and just you know see what you can find. Um, and knowing that they'll be there, you can go and ask more questions. So that's another thing that people can do. Definitely. Um, yeah, I would say next year my goal would be to attend the exhibit hall, prep yeah. for it, and so, then learn something new. So anything that popped out at you um, while you were at the exhibit hall, even though you kind of you know weren't really ready for that, is was there anything that kind of jumped out, or did you see something that you didn't know existed, or? Um, Unfortunately, um, I, I work in a hospital as an intern right now, and so I felt like a lot of the stuff I was seeing, I have like seen at work mm-hmm. um, or something similar at least. I might not have. I'm sure they've upgraded it somehow, but I just didn't take the time to ask. Um, so unfortunately, nothing seemed just based off like walking through and looking yeah. seemed new, but I think it just also stems from... Um, my lack of knowledge in the area right now. Uh, hopefully when I attend in the future though, it'll be more beneficial and I'll be able to see the way that things are progressing um, and see the advances that they're making in this technology Yeah, because they're definitely changing things every year. And I know that there was really awesome hidden gems, I'm sure at the exhibit hall, but I just, as a student, didn't have the right mindset going yeah, into it um, yeah. and didn't approach it the right way. Yeah, uh, like, I, like I said earlier, it's a, it's an art attending these meetings is an art. So yeah. that it counts for the exhibit hall too. Yeah. And it's something I've definitely talked to my colleagues about too, about, you know, that students are just, they just don't know. They're not getting any exposure and we're not doing a good job at doing that. Um, but okay, let's, what, what else, uh, what else kind of happened through day two? Yeah. Um, so then after the, Attending the exhibit hall, I went to the ASHP PAC Contributors Reception. So PAC had two events at the year. They had this reception, and they also had happy hour. Um, And the reception, I attended at the summer meeting as well, and that was why I was like, you need to attend this again because it was so such a great experience. Um, But is what this is is you donate into the PAC. they, you don't even have to donate a lot if you're a student and you don't have the kind of funds to donate. Um, I think they. I'll give you two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they recommend maybe like twenty dollars or oh. something. But if you like can only do maybe ten dollars, like it's still ten dollars to help the profession. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so you donate and then you are invited to the reception. You can attend, and it's just kind of like a buffet style food, and there's tables all in the middle, and it just other um, professionals in the field all together and they just well they'll do a little bit of an opening session but then it's honestly mostly like a networking event which was really awesome um, and especially being a student there I think there were maybe like two other students there and then um, two girls from my university so there's maybe like five of us total and then everyone else is a 
practicing pharmacists and they're usually admin or um, like a clinical pharmacist or um, faculty at universities I was talking to. Um, so it was a really, really great networking session. I yeah. actually left with a, another mentor. <laughs> nice. There you um, go. Like a mentor yeah, ninja. I feel like, seriously, <laughs> I feel like attending these events as a student, they really are in, kind of like taken back. Like, oh, you're a student and you're here. That's really awesome that you care about the packet and the progression of the profession. So I would recommend kind of going to that. I would say it's kind of a hidden gem of the meeting for students that a lot of students don't attend but I think that they should. Nice. Um, after the PAC contributors reception, I went to something called the Fundamental Strategies to Secure Residency, getting a head start as a P1 to P3. So um, it's geared to anyone not really applying for residency that year. And um, honestly, it was one of those events where I felt like I knew a lot of the things prior I entered them. So I would say that it wasn't as beneficial to me as it may have been for other students, but I think it just depends on your, um, where you're at on your, in your, um, development and where you're at in like the process of getting a residency and how yeah. much research you've done on your own. W- would how you much say that prepared you? Would you say that that's probably best for like a P1? Yeah, okay. I would say it's best for a P1 or maybe someone who, if you if you weren't considering residency at all, and then your P three year, you decide actually I want to do a residency, and then I would say it might be beneficial because they talk a lot about um, how it works, like applying to residencies. They talk about the match a little bit. Um, they talked about CVs. They talked about interviewing. Um, it was kind of just like a big overview of being like a well-rounded candidate. So I feel like for me, it was a lot of review, but I feel like other people probably left the session um, with a lot of knowledge. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. And then after attending that presentation, I went to the residency showcase. So um, the residency showcase, there are three, three hour sessions, one on Monday and two on Tuesday, and each session will have different programs. So, um, if you want to apply to one program and you really want to talk to them, I recommend looking up in advance what day they'll be there because they're not going to be at every session. That's um, good to know. And, <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. A thing that you need to know prior, especially if you're a P4 going. Um, and as so I'm not applying for residency this year, but I wanted to really see what it was like so that next year I'm not as overwhelmed. And if you're not applying, they advise you or they ask that you don't go for the whole three hours. They ask that you go for the last hour, maybe hour and a half, just because they don't want you to take time talking to a resident or a director um, from someone who's actually applying that year. That makes sense. And um, So make sure to abide by that because that's just crowd control and it's just respectful. So, you know, yeah. for anyone listening that's planning to do go next year or whatever, like pay attention to that because I feel like you're kind of taking away from someone else that could potentially, you know, um, hurt their careers or something not cool. So just pay attention yeah. to that people. Definitely. It's definitely a, just a respect thing, I would say. And honestly, I think if you were to go as a P1 or P2 and go for the first right in the beginning and try to talk to a resident or a director, they're going to ask what year you are. That's usually 
something that might come up in the conversation. And if they find out you're a P1 or P2, they're going to be like, okay. (laughs) I don't think they'll be rude, but I think they'll ask to maybe give their time to someone who's applying that year. Because what the event is, is while it's not going to, you're not going to go to the residency showcase and walk out with a residency. um, The intention of the event is that you have maybe a list of programs that you're planning on applying to. And we know that applying to, just like applying to pharmacy schools, it's expensive and stressful um, and you just can't, you can't apply to every single residency. You just, I don't think we'd physically be able to. So the intent of this is for you to be able to talk to different residency programs and get a feel for if you want to apply there. Um, So if you're talking to one of the residents and maybe they just look exhausted or they sound miserable, maybe that's a program you actually don't want to apply to or you want to put some more thought into um, but then also you might come across a program and one perfect for you that you had no intention of applying to or even looking at. Um, so the residency showcase is really good for narrowing down the lists um, of programs you want to be applying to. Yeah. And then just a, a plug for a recent uh, or not a recent, but a previous episode, uh, it was episode nine. I think we had talked about ASHP residencies and how to prepare for the showcase. Um, so if anyone's interested in the future, um, that's episode nine on RX Radio. Shameless plug. Um, as a as a P two, um, because I wasn't, I'm not intending on applying. Um, I also didn't, I didn't prep for any programs, so I went in not really intending to talk to any programs because I didn't want to ask them something something silly like um, how many residents do you take or things that I could find online. So I really went in just to see what the environment is like and see the way it's set up, yeah. and maybe overhear someone else ask a question or two. Um, so I only ended up talking to one program and it was just kind of, I like stumbled into their booth towards the end and it wasn't very busy and I had a great conversation with a resident, but I went in with no intention of really talking to any programs just to get more familiar with the event for yeah. next year. And then just so people understand. So the, what the residency showcase is, and I don't, when I went, this was my first experience. You could tell me if you saw it different, but it's basically you walk in and then there's just a bunch of like 10 foot booths that organizations have. And at those booths, they have people like or residents or, or um, residency directors that you can talk to at those booths. And then you can kind of go from one booth to the next and, and kind of continue to like talk to people that way. So for anyone that just had no idea, that's kind of what it's like. But then it gets packed. It's loud. There's other students in there literally competing at some point on, on some level. Um, so it's um, it's an interesting uh, environment. Yeah. Um, and similar to the exhibit hall, they'll post in advance a floor map of all the different residencies and booths. Um, so you can kind of get a better feel and understanding of what the layout's like. But it's definitely something you can't really, can't really mentally prepare what it's going to be like until you see it one time almost. Um, yeah. But it's a really cool, really cool concept. Um for residency programs. And usually um, every organization will kind of have like residency showcase to some degree, but ASHP's residency showcase is one of the largest. So that's why this meeting is so um, highly attended, I would say. Yeah. Cool. And then that was everything that I did on Monday. Um, Nice. Tuesday. Day three. Yeah. So (laughs) day three and day three was kind of just like a very short half day almost. Um, In the morning I had a student poster presentation and I presented um, on advocacy actually again. 
Um, but this is a, it wasn't a research-based poster. It was more of like a, an awareness type of poster. Um, and it was titled Demonstrating the Value of Political Advocacy Using the 30-Day Burpee Challenge. Um, so nice. what we did is we, <laughs> yeah, so what we did is we bridged burpees to advocacy and compared the two. So um, burpees are that exercise that are notoriously, notoriously very difficult and um, people don't like them or they feel very passionate about loving them or passionate about hating them. And uh, we talked about how that's similar with advocacy. People are either very passionate about loving it or passionate about hating it, whether they hear advocacy or politics and leave the room or they enjoy it and it's their livelihood almost. Um, then with the two burpees, if you practice them more um, and you build up your strength and your endurance, it becomes a lot easier. And then the same with advocacy. If you practice it more, um, it becomes a lot easier. So I created like a 30-day advocacy challenge, kind of similar to maybe like a 30-day burpee challenge. And it like starts small, like little activities, just like looking up advocacy online. Um, and then it like progresses and builds on itself to even like one of the later days is like meeting with the legislator and talking about like the profession. Yeah. Um, so with this, um, we were able to like hand out these challenges um, to different people who attended the poster um, just because we think it's something that students should incorporate into their lives or SSHP chapters can incorporate or preceptors could incorporate something advocacy related into their rotation or their residency program because advocacy is something we don't really learn a lot about in school, but it's something we should learn at a younger age or earlier on in our career because it's something we'll practice for the rest of your profession. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so then after the student poster presentation and that they're just an hour long, which is nice because I think anything more than an hour would be a little bit daunting and exhausting. Yeah. I went to the residency showcase again, just to, um, get another feel for what, what it'll be like, walk around, um, just get more comfortable. And then I actually left. I went to the airport. So nice. Tuesday was a nice short day. And you just dropped the mic and like, and headed out. You to the airport, Uber to the airport. <laughs> well, <Yes. laughs> I think that you're, I mean, I'm glad we kind of, it's not, we're pushing an hour here and I'm glad, you know, you kind of really extensively went through your experience. Um, I'm actually excited to see how it's going to compare to the pharmacist that we have on um, in, in a future episode uh, as to what, what the differences were like. Um, now being, we kind of went through a lot of what you really enjoyed about the, about the, um, the events. And it sounded like, obviously it's a great event and highly, you know, worth attending just to get some of the different experiences that you had mentioned. Um, but what are some things that you think that could either be made better? Um, and you, you did talk about that one thing that wasn't useful, but in general, or, or any other specifics that you have that could have been better about the event? So after attending the event and reflecting on how it went, some of the things that I think that I would do differently next year or advise other people to consider would be having like a better game plan. So I talked about how I kind of attended. So I tried to attend one session, but I was late. So I ended up falling into another one, which ended up being a great experience. But um, it would have been unfortunate to miss attending an event that you really wanted to see because you just didn't have a better game plan. Um, so really thinking about how far away two sessions are, um, looking at like, the time differences, um, being more aware of what kind of time you have and more efficient with your management of 
time at the event. So yeah. um, maybe I w- should have attended that exhibit hall in the last day where I had um, when I had maybe a bigger opening before my student poster presentation, because um, then I would have had more time to really submerge myself into the new technologies and gain more out of it. Um, so on top of having a better game plan, I would advise you, I, I went in with this intention, but I feel like it's something that is hard to do. Yeah. I would advise you to not stay with your friends. Um, Interesting. I, went to the meeting with a group of uh, classmates and I feel like for a portion of the meeting, I was just with them. And, um, well, it's good because you feel comfortable with them and it's nice to have like a friend throughout this stressful experience. I feel like you don't gain as much out of the event, um, because, uh, people aren't as likely to come up to you when you're with a group of people. Um, and I feel like one of the most beneficial things about the meeting is the networking and the other people you can meet from around the country. Mm-hmm. So, um, not staying with your friends, I would say, is the biggest thing. Um, but then also you're going to get out of the meeting what you want to want out of the meeting. You're going to attend events that you want to see. You're going to um, really just, I feel like, benefit more. So yeah, it's almost don't like hang it's out not with your hindering. friends the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Now um, You get to see your friends at school. Yeah. <laughs> hang out with them there. Um, and then... Another thing I would do is attend more networking sessions. I feel like I'm the kind of person that uh, feels um, more satisfied after networking. Um, Even if I attend a meeting and the only thing I get out of it is three uh, contact information to practicing pharmacists or students, um, I feel like very satisfied and that was a successful event just because um, networking is something that makes me feel complete, I would say, and just socializing. Mm-hmm. So figure out what makes you feel satisfied about these type of events and do more of that because that's how you're going to leave the event feeling like it was successful. Yeah. Now, that that definitely gives us an idea as to, like, I guess a lot of pointers for individuals to approach the the event in a certain way. Now, from a student perspective – is there anything that you think that ASHP could have done better or maybe they did something that probably wasn't as useful as maybe they thought it'd be? Um, what, what are your thoughts on maybe how ASHP as an organization could probably improve on the event? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily ASHP's fault or just kind of like the profession and the way people talk about the mid-year clinical meeting. Um, or if it was just me not ever hearing about this, Mm -hmm. I had never heard of something called PPS until attending this event. Um, everyone talks about this residency showcase and they talk about the sessions of the event and the educational opportunities and the network networking that happens. Um, so I was expecting all of that, but then the day or two prior when I was um, online looking at more details of the event, I came across PPS and it's personnel placement service. Um, and it's what it is, is it's, um, a really, it's a very large, just like recruitment and interviewing type of event. So it's like the residency showcase, but more intimate, um, is what it is, is, um, like a registration for it will open in the fall and you can apply to interview with an employer. So whether that's for residency fellowship or just a um, job right out of pharmacy school, and they're usually like 30 minutes and it might be a one-on-one or it could be like you, a resident and the current director. And it's just 
like an unofficial interview before your formal interview and with applying. Gotcha. Um, so I felt like I had no knowledge of what this PPS concept was. Um, and again, I don't know if it was ASHP thought because I know they have stuff online or it was just kind of the profession because it's not something I've talked about. Yeah. Um, so attending the meeting, um, I was able to talk to a few people more about PPS and, um, I learned that since some residencies do do it, not a lot of them, it's usually more PGY2s, but some PGY1s will do it. Um, or if you want to do like a paired PGY1 and PGY2, they might be there. If you're, is what I was told, and I don't know if this is correct, I was told if a residency program you're applying for is at PPS and you don't have an interview with them, it looks pretty cool to then apply wow. for them later. Um, so next year, definitely if... Um, Next year when I'm applying for residencies prior to the meeting in like September, October, when the application or registration for PPS opens, I'll make sure I go online and see if any of the programs I'm interested in are at PPS. And if they are, and then that's something that I want to schedule an interview with so that um, I don't really hurt my chances of getting that residency. If that's, I'm not sure if it's just a rumor from someone, but it was something that I was told by a um, pharmacist. I think that is um, some great advice and great uh, great um, awareness to bring to that on here. So hopefully someone listening, um, you know, might not have heard of it before and now they know and can potentially, you know, do something um, for their careers with that information. Now, um, we have gone well over an hour here and Courtney, I do appreciate your time. This is in your, um, I'm not sure what quarter it is for you, but I'm sure it's a super busy time. Um, and you really did a great job at kind of going through the day-to-day there and giving us an insight from a student perspective as to your experience. So what is the best way, um, if someone wanted to connect with you, uh, what's the best way that uh, listeners can reach you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram username is at farm period D to B. Um, and send me a direct message. Or you can always email me if you want, if you don't have an Instagram. And my email is C as in Courtney. Scott, S-C-O-T-T, 6-2 at midwestern.edu. Perfect. And I'll, I'll link all that up in the show notes. Um, again, Courtney, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Richard. Have a good rest of your day. Hey, everyone. First of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, um, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, We're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.